Hi, y'all, and welcome back to Peachy Keen. I'm Vivian Liddell, and this is my podcast. I'm out for the summer and gearing up to start a mural in Five Points here in Athens. So that's what I've taken on to consume me now that I don't have my students to keep me on my toes. It's a great time for us locals here in Athens, Georgia. Graduation at UGA was last Friday. I went to Jittery Joe's, our local coffee place, on Sunday morning, and there was only one other dude in the whole place. The cashier and I had a joyous exchange about how unpopulated Kroger was for a weekend. And today, I took my pseudo-sick child on a field trip to do some research He's in one of those spaces where he's got a low-grade fever, but doesn't really feel that bad. Just a smidgen too sick for school. So he went with me photographing murals around town this morning. No one out but us. The beer trucks and the meter maids. And Athens without the students, the best. About a month back, I trucked it over to one of the places that makes Athens, Athens, Vic's Vintage. After 20 years of coveting other people's flat files, I finally got some for myself. For those of you that are non-artists, flat files are like giant filing cabinets for putting big papers in where the papers can lie flat, like what old school architects used to use for filing blueprints before AutoCAD came along. Now, I guess pretty much only artists who work on paper use these things for storage, I've been storing big drawings all rolled up, and it's not ideal. I just unrolled some that are about 15 years old the other day, and they have some damage, not to mention that they are now kind of permanently curled from being rolled up for so long. So flat files. Flat files are super expensive, normally around seven to $800 each, which is why I have only coveted them and not actually owned any for the past 20 years. But... Vic had some for a steal, and then on top of that, he had a half-off day, which he's been having lately, if you keep an eye on these sort of things. And so I couldn't resist. Since I was buying flat files, we had the talk about me being an artist, and I gave him my card and told him about the podcast. And he told me about his art collection and showed me a painting of him as, in his words, black Jesus. And Vic was all about this artist who had approached him to model for this black Jesus painting. And he thought I should have her on the podcast. I thanked him, wrote her name on my very long list of people I want to interview. And then he and Kieran spent a ridiculous amount of time trying to fit the flat files into my CRV. It was kind of awesome. Their skill level at getting furniture into a vehicle very uh, Tetris-like. They were telling me about fitting a couch into a sedan and some other large thing into a Corvette. Anyway, I encourage all of you to go buy some furniture from them on the spur of the moment and see if you can get it into whatever vehicle you might be driving. So anyway, about an hour after I got home, I got a text from Vic. He had already contacted the artist of Black Jesus She lives here in town, and she had agreed to be on the podcast. So just like that, Yvonne Studevin became our guest artist for episode 15. Yvonne is a retired school teacher. She is also part of 
the Athens area Plain Air Artist Group that has an upcoming exhibition at the Linden House Arts Center. That's Plain, P-L-E-I-N, Air, which is French for outdoors. It's a challenging but very enjoyable way to paint, being outside while painting, and Yvonne gives us the lowdown on how she accomplishes her artwork, especially her plein air work. We also talk about her path as an artist, which involves going many generations deep into her fascinating family history. Check it out. People's houses is you never know what kind of noise is going to well, be out there. Normally, you hear them hammering, banging, sawing downstairs. <laughs> I mean, it's just like there's no peace and quiet anywhere during the day. But that sounds pretty good, huh? Yes, I think so. It's not on mute. I can see it's And I'll little... try to talk slow because I have that Philadelphia talk fast. <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> I just did a, uh, an interview for a project I'm working on in Philadelphia. I told her, I said, just tell me to slow down <laughs> if I need to. So that's a good place to start. So you're from Pennsylvania. I'm from outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a town called Yaden, Pennsylvania. Okay. It's the home of Flag Day. <laughs> home of Flag Day. And how far outside of Philly is that? Adjacent to West Philadelphia. So okay. as soon as you leave West Philadelphia and you cross the creek, you're in Yaden. And I saw that you, as a young girl, took art classes in Philly. I did at Fleischer's. And what kind of classes were those? Did you take painting? Well, actually, it was drawing. Okay. And um, what I remember, because I was so young, and I'm so old now, (laughs) I know we did a lot of pencil drawings and charcoal. And I remember we had a model, and the painting that I did of the model, the drawing, got into the show that they had at the school. And I thought, oh, that's pretty neat. (laughs) But before I went to Fleischer's, I had... um, an aunt who taught my cousin and I how to draw because we wanted paper dolls and we couldn't find any black paper dolls that looked like us. Mm. So we would take the cardboard from our father's shirts when they came back from the laundry mm-hmm. and we would color them our color. And so all of our girlfriends were like, where'd you get those co- those colored paper dolls from? We made them. So we started making paper dolls for everybody. And and how old were you when you went to Fleischer's? I guess so. Well, I was old enough that my parents let me ride the um, public transportation, so I had to be maybe eleven or twelve. Okay, that's interesting that's about uh, you know that level of independence seems to kind of the bar gets higher and higher as time. I have a ten-year-old right now, mm-hmm. and we're at the point of giving him some free range. But when I grew up, I was in Memphis. And I just rode all over the city on my bicycle when I was in, like, second grade. I, I did that, too. <laughs> I mean, I used to get on my bicycle and go visit everybody. I knew what time I had to be back home, so I made sure I was back home one time. But um, and sometimes my cousin and I would get on the train and go to New York when we were, you know, early teens mm. and stuff. But um, we public transportation, because we had one car in our family back in, in the 50s. So if you went anyplace, you had to go by public transportation for the most part. And did you go to museums in Philly when you were young? Yes, I did, because um, they were all around us. Mm -hmm. such a historic city. Every school trip or when you're trying to find something to do on the weekends, you'll go to the art museum. Our next-door neighbor 
worked at the Philadelphia Art Museum. And so she would tell us about different events and we would go there. And um, our church has a museum um, because they collect the artifacts of Richard Allen in the museum. So I was always hanging around there with my grandmother and my aunt and everyone. So, so it sounds like you have your family is rich in history and in art, and you had your aunt. Was she actually an artist, or what was her? Um, well, I, the in her making? senior years, uh, she was a teacher also. Okay. Um, in her senior years, and actually, she wasn't exactly my aunt. We called her aunt. She was my mother's first cousin. Okay. But because her daughter and I were the same age, she was just. We called her aunt. But she, um, in her senior year, she would do watercolors. And uh, she became an up-and-coming artist in Pennsylvania. So she was really good. But she taught us the basics of how to draw a person's body. Mm -hmm. And she used to tell me, Yvonne, when you paint a tree, you do not have to paint every leaf on that tree. <laughs> I mean, I'd sit there painstakingly, you know. And just draw every little leaf. She says, no, you don't have to do that. <laughs> I remember that, that those little lessons. Yeah, that's that's. And then, good. like, my neighbor behind us, uh, she painted. And, you know, she would give me pointers. And then uh, my sister's godfather was a pastel portrait artist. And uh, he had done portraits of my sister and my, my father's sister, my aunt. And so... I guess I've just been around art. And I remember when I first got married, my mom said, you may not have any furniture in your house, but if you put some artwork on the wall, it'll look like it's <laughs> complete. So one of the first things we bought was a painting. So what about your parents? Did, were they artistically inclined? Did you... I think my mother was, but um, I, she would do craft things uh, around the house. But I never saw her take out a an easel or a paint or anything like that. And my dad, no. Uh, he was into other things, but not not painting. So I have so many questions. I'm backlogging in my mind right now. You bring up the term craft and her doing craft things around the house. And I noticed that on your website, you do the, what is it, G2G, girlfriend oh, to girlfriend. Oh, you have some downstairs. Wine glasses, and you do jewelry. But then you also do these paintings with a capital P, I like to call them. So, you know, painting is a whole different thing. What have you found about working in those different mediums? Do you see that okay. there's, like, prejudice against certain mediums, or do you... No, that wasn't it. I was trying to find myself, mm -hmm. you know, discover what I liked, what my passion was in the field of art. So I tried the crafts. I always would do some type of crafty thing. When my cousins and I were in high school, we used to paint windows at Halloween, and we'd always win. So, I mean, it still didn't click on me that maybe I had a talent for art, but I was just trying to find my niche. Am I a craft person, or do I like painting? And so I tried different crafts to see which I liked. I tried crocheting, um, helping the kids with different projects, uh, making jewelry, um, you name it, I think I tried it. Macrame, when it was back in the, when was macrame? Set, late 70s, 70s early yeah. I macrameed plenty owls <laughs> <laughs> and lots of different things. And then I thought there's, it still wasn't filling the gap that I had. 
So and um, so in the seventies, you say you were helping the kids. Are you talking about your own children or my your own students? Children. Were you and teaching both. at that point? I was teaching. I started teaching in nineteen sixty seven. Sixty seven, I believe. <laughs> Can't even remember. And were you teaching? Did you start I teaching first grade? Where were you at in that Philadelphia. point? You were still in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, you did you teach first grade for your whole career? No, I okay. taught first grade when I was teaching in Philadelphia for four years. And after I got married, we moved to Atlanta, and I started teaching second grade. And so what, what was the drive to come to Atlanta? Well, it was a bet that my husband and I took. We had a party, and um, some of the people said, oh, Russell, you'll never get Yvonne to leave Philadelphia because her family is so strong here. And so me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll move wherever my husband wants to go. I said, I tell you what, the first place that we hear for, from a college for graduate school, that's where we're going to move. I just knew that St. Joe's Temple University of Pennsylvania, <laughs> any of those schools in Pennsylvania would have responded to us first. But actually, the first school that responded was um, Atlanta University. So it was February. It was cold in Philadelphia. We flew to Atlanta. It was warm. Mm -hmm. I mean, really warm. (laughs) I thought, I didn't even realize it could be this warm in February, you know, or January, whenever it was. So we uh, came here, and I thought, man, I think I could like this. And when I got here, one of the girls that went to college with me had moved here with her husband, and she showed me around Atlanta. And I said, you know what, I think I could live here for a year. So I told my husband, well, you know, you can go to graduate school here for a year and then we'll move back. Because I was in graduate school at Temple University and he was just applying to graduate school. So we moved to Atlanta and never went back (laughs) except to visit. (laughs) And I saw you went to graduate school at Georgia State. Yes. At first I went to Temple and then I finished at Georgia State. Okay. And then after we moved to Atlanta in 71, and we moved to Athens in 81. Wow. Yeah. And That's... I would just go back to visit. Or if they need me. If there's a project going on at my, at my home church, I'll go back and participate in that or I'll participate via telephone. But because of my family history, I have a really strong connection with um, <clears throat> Philadelphia. Yeah, and... So you were you were teaching there, and you came to Atlanta. You were still teaching when you were getting your graduate degree? Yes, and, and I had two babies. And you had two... Oh, that's a lot. I know. Um, and, yeah, I've been down that road because I have two kids and also I'm a teacher. So you were, were you in grad school and teaching with yes. your children? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. I was, I was. And and you went into teaching. I'm curious about this. So you clearly were very interested in art from a very young age, but your teaching degrees are, are your degrees are both in teaching, right? In education? And yes, I started out in elementary education. And then when I went to graduate school at Temple, they had a program called Educational Media, and that was the same time as Sesame Street and my strong desire because of my personality and the fact that I did like drawing would be to try to apply for a job at Sesame Street. I just thought that would be the perfect fit for me. And um, so I took educational media and production, Mm -hmm. which had to do 
we did filming and lighting and we made game simulations and we just did a whole lot of different things that I was not exposed to in a regular elementary education um, prepar you know, preparing for college. So um, when I moved to Georgia, the degree was library science media. They did not have the reciprocal degree at Temple. Right. So And then I said, well, I don't want to be a media specialist or a librarian. So I went on and got my master's in elementary education. And this, um, this art, uh, were you still doing art? You said you were doing crafts. Yeah, I was, well, then I was also painting. Like, a, I painted murals on the wall in my kids' room. Mm -hmm. And then if we had a project at school, I remember we had book week, and I had gotten a group of kids together, and we painted the, the book covers as the backdrop. And my principal came to me and she said, you know, you're very artistic. She says, and I need an art teacher. And I said, oh, I'm not qualified to be an art teacher. And so she said, well, I tell you what. She said, why don't you teach fourth grade half a day? And then you can be the art teacher half a day. So I thought, hmm, that sounds pretty good. So that's what I did at Henderson Mill in DeKalb County. Mm -hmm. I did that for about three years before we moved here. And what brought you to Athens from Atlanta? My husband got a job as principal at Clark Central High School. Oh, okay. So and he moved here. is he retired now? As yes, well? he is. Yes. He retired his third retirement. Because <laughs> he, when he left Clark Central, he went to Atlanta, and then he retired from there, and then he taught at Piedmont College. Okay. Retired from there. Well, and you moved to Athens in the early 80s. How long have you been in this neighborhood? I felt like I should have left a trail of breadcrumbs to get back out of here. <laughs> this is a lot of winding roads and turns. But we're in the middle of town, but it feels very kind of... Very country, because our house backs up to a farm. Yes. So um, we moved here. So we've been in this house about 27 years. So all of this, I'm going to call it a mess over here, this... Okay, we're not in Oconee County, are yes, we? Yes, we are. Oh, we are. Because in Tang across McNutt's Creek is Tangle Wood. Okay. On this side, it is um, Tangle Brook, and it's Oconee County. But the mailman used to come across the bridge to deliver the mail, so we have an Athens mailing address, even though we live in Clark, even though we live in Oconee County. Okay, I knew we were pretty close, as I know all of that. Trader Joe's and all of that mess over there is a county county. Yes, and that wasn't here. No. When we first moved here, it was so beautiful. Like when I was a little girl, I used to go to camp every summer, and I used to love the country. You know, the sky would be so black, and in Philadelphia, you never saw a dark sky because all the lights were on all the time. Right. So we moved here, and it just took me back to camp days. We crossed a wooden bridge, and you could hear the crickety sound. You know, these little sounds from childhood that come back in your memory that are really good sounds that yes. you like. So I would hear that. And then um, the sky would be so black at night, the stars would just shine like diamonds. It was just really pretty. And then and Neps Bridge was just two lanes. Mm -hmm. And I would tell people, well, to find our neighborhood, just go to the first telephone pole that has a light. <laughs> and make dirt. If you miss it, you're definitely out in the country. So we just watched all the development around here. And I think we were the third house on the street. Wow. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's very it's different. I mean, all of that. I've been in Athens on and off. I went to college at UGA and graduated in 93. And all of that is new since then. Definitely. Um, I can hardly recognize downtown Athens. Listen, sometimes, you know, you're driving your car. It just sort of takes you where it thinks you need to go. 
I'm driving, I'm thinking, where am I? <laughs> you know, it's just like, that wasn't here before. No. Has it been that long since I've been in downtown Athens? I actually got lost. I thought I was going to the Linden House, the back way. And I didn't recognize one single thing. I had to put my GPS on. <laughs> to find it's all Linden. new. All of that stuff down I there. Know. Those apartment buildings. I was talking to a, co- a college student who's a daughter of a friend of mine. And I was like, oh, you're in those new buildings. And she's like, they've been there since before I was born. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're still new to me, but I guess they've been there like 20 years, but I haven't, I can't register them as, you know, part of the landscape. So you, um, I heard about you through Vic that owns Vic's Vintage Shop downtown. And how long have you known Vic? I met him the first year he moved to Athens. So I'd say maybe if he's been here four years, I've known him four years. Okay. Because, um... Todd Emily met Vic first, and I had met Todd through some work at the Georgia Museum of Art with an organization that I belong to called the Lynx Incorporated. And so he said, there's a new couple moving to Athens. He said, and I would like to host a party for them. Will you help me you know, with that? And I said, okay. So I got a few people together, and we met at Todd's house. So we had, it was a wine tasting party, and I had given everybody an assignment to bring a different kind of wine. And that's where I met Vic and Stephanie. And at the same time, I had been commissioned to paint a black Jesus for a church in Savannah. And I was trying to find somebody who had that North African look. Mm-hmm. And when I met Vic, I thought, that's the guy that I need to use as my model. <laughs> so, hand, wine in hand, I go to Vic and I said, could you be my black Jesus? <laughs> and he thought, he said, I think this lady said, a little bit too much to bring her but Vic is, you know, he's, he's a very open dude, right? He is. He really is. And I just love the couple. They were just the sweetest couple ever. And so he agreed to model. He had no idea that my connection to the AME church. And he had no idea that the painting was going into an historic AME church. So I was going to say, how did you get this commission? Did you already know? Well, the pastor at Monumental AME Church in Savannah mm-hmm. had been the pastor at the first AME church here in Athens. Okay. And um, he knew that I painted. And so he said that he, every time as a, a young man, when he went into a black person's home, he saw three things. He saw a picture of Kennedy, a picture of... Martin Luther King and a picture of a white Jesus Mm -hmm. and so he said he wanted to have a black Jesus and so he said I thought of you and he said because you're Richard Allen's great 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 granddaughter I want you to be the artist so I said okay and Richard Allen for our listeners can you okay Richard Allen is the founder and first bishop of the African Methodist Episcopal Church which is the oldest black denomination in the western hemisphere and you're you're a Descendant. I am the seventh generation descendant of wow. granddaughters. So he is my great, 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 great grandfather. So I have a lot of fun telling his history mm-hmm. and just meeting people all over the world who are AMEs or opening an AME church. And it's just interesting to find out why they decided to affiliate with that particular denomination. And some of them are just amazed that his descendants are still alive. And I think people think people who lived long ago, they don't have any <laughs> descendants. So, 
them. Well, I think most people just can't trace their family back that far. Especially African Americans. Mm -hmm. He was born in 1760, and new research now has his parents coming in from Barbados, and they were on... William Allen, who was the first governor of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, ran slave ships from Barbados to Philadelphia. Mm. And Richard Allen's mother and father were slaves on his ship, and he decided to keep them. At that time, they were not married. Um, Richard Allen's mother was a mulatto, which means that her father was white and her mother was African. Mm -hmm. And uh, they became slaves of William Allen. When William Allen's daughter married Benjamin Chu, who became the Chief Justice of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, part of her dowry was he gave Richard Allen's parents, James and Rosa, with his daughter to Benjamin Chu. And they they got married. And um, they had Richard Allen while they were slaves of Benjamin Chu on February 14th in 1760. So he was born in slavery in Philadelphia. And then many years later, here you are becoming kind of famous for this black Jesus portrait, which is how I met you because Vic pulled out the picture of him as black Jesus. And... Uh and, um, showed that to me, which it's very interesting because it kind of really directly relates back to the story that you were telling about the paper dolls. Yes. And having that image of someone that looked like you. Looked like you. And it's important not only for African Americans, but I've had Hispanic people when I was having it framed, and they kept saying, no, you pointed a Jesus that sort of looks like people of color. And I'm like, yes, you know, so I think every race wants to affiliate something with them. And uh, one of the things I think that used to keep me going was that the images that I would see of black people look like white people painted black. Mm-hmm. They didn't have black features. And, um, and I wanted something that had a black feature. And there's so many ranges of color in the black race and so many different types of features and so many different types of hair color. I just wanted to depict that. And that's always been a drive of mine. So I think that's why I got into painting portraits. Mm. It's funny, when you're a little kid and the teachers say, now I want you to stand up and give an oral report. I could just feel my heart jump out of my chest. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is terrible. (laughs) But to think that all the things I didn't like when I was a little kid in school are the things that I absolutely love doing now. Isn't that crazy? The things you didn't like, like speaking? I didn't like speaking in front of a group when I was a kid. And I did not, what else did I not? I didn't like writing reports. And I didn't like history. You know, having to go back and study all those people. I was like, who wants to remember 1492? Somebody sailed the ocean blue. You know, all those type things. It was not until I could relate the history to me that I really started developing my passion. It's like when I watch movies about the Alamo, as a child, I never knew that any people who were African Americans served in the Texas Revolution Mm -hmm. until I was contacted by somebody from Texas to say that, you know, your ancestor was killed by Santa Ana and inherited 2,040 acres of land. Wow. And we need you to verify this. I'm like, verify this? I don't know anything about this. 
And so I started reading through all of the wills, because Richard Allen had a will, and all of his children had wills, and I have copies of them. So I read through my great-great-great-grandmother's will, and she said, the property in Texas is to be sold for the education of my grandchildren. And that was the thing that they needed. Hmm. So it's, I thought, oh. So I mean, the stories are out there and nobody knows about them. And right. I'm just like, well, I can tell the story, you know, orally. And I can draw the pictures and let people know. So I guess that's my new passion in life. <laughs> It sounds like you enjoy a challenge. Right? I you know, do. If you move from things that you used to hate to those things being your strengths, then clearly you enjoy a challenge, which makes sense since you're a painter. I once some, some told somebody that I went into painting because it was the most difficult thing that I could think of. <laughs> it is very challenging. I think it's good for your mind, especially as a senior citizen, because... I didn't realize how many higher order thinking skills you use when you're painting. Absolutely. Because I just painted for my families. I never considered myself an artist because I didn't go to school to train to be an artist. Right. And so like my sister would call me, or my nephews would call me and say, I want a painting of a mountain or I want a river or something like that. And so I would paint the paintings and then send them to them. So my nephew was opening up an ophthalmology practice in Atlanta, and he told me that he needed some artwork for his office. So I did all these paintings for his office, and I had them on the floor in my house, waiting for him to come pick them up. In the meantime, we were starting a new organization here in Athens, and some ladies came over to have a meeting. Mm -hmm. And so it was Mae Castanell. She said, oh, I like this black artwork. She said, but I don't, I don't recognize the black artist. And I said, oh, it's me. I said, I'm not an artist. <laughs> so she said, you painted all of these? And I said, yeah. You know, I just paint for my family and for myself. And what year was this? About what time? This was, this was like 2005. Okay. 2005. Because I really had not started painting. I mean, I would take little classes at the Continuing Ed Center. Mm -hmm. And, you know, anything that... And I took some classes at the Linden House. But um, she said, why don't you show your, your work? I said, nobody doesn't want to buy my work. Only people take my artwork is my family, you know. So she said, no, I really think you need to show your artwork. So um, we go to the same hairdresser. And so she was talking about my art to the hairdresser. The hairdressers come over here and they see some of the things that I've done. They said, why don't we have an art show for you? And I'm thinking, this is not real. <laughs> you know, I don't have enough work. So I started... Painting. I was just, we had just, we had come back from Africa, I guess about <clears throat> 10 years earlier. And I was really impressed with Africa. So I started painting a lot of landscapes and people and animals from Africa. And so um, <clears throat> we had this art show. It was Dr. Diane Dunstan and um, Marion from Sheer Performance and Goldie from Sheer Performance. They held an art show for me. And I sold just about everything that I had painted. And I thought, maybe I really am an artist. <laughs> you know, somebody actually is buying my stuff. So, um, and I thought, you know what? This has really satisfied me because I just, something strikes me about a scene or a person that makes me want to draw them. 
And so if I'm able to convey whatever it was that moved me to somebody else to the point that they want to buy it, it's very satisfying. Yes. So then I, you know, that I was just getting satisfaction that I was able to produce something that brought somebody else joy. Because I think the whole thing in life is to bring people joy and love and share and stuff like that. So I think that's what drives me. It makes me happy that somebody else likes it enough that they want to buy it. And a lot of, so the works were sitting in your studio now, and you mentioned that those works had, they were influenced by your travel to Africa. And that was the the works that you sold in that first show? Is yes, that true? and I have some downstairs, yes. Um, but then I started trying to branch out to other things, like mm-hmm. painting flowers. I think that was one of the first things I started painting was flowers and stuff. But... Um, this history now is drawing me to paint historical things. Mm-hmm. And I was never a person who thought about drawing buildings because there's so much math required and lining everything up. But then I started jumping into it. And I went to, my husband and I took a group of kids to, uh, chaperoned a group of kids to Washington this year. And we went to the National Art Gallery. Yes. And saw the presidential portraits. And I had seen some super realist arts or photographic realism. And I thought, you know, I used to paint photographically. And sometimes, I, you know, I want to do that. But then I also want to paint things that are just sort of an impression of things. Mm -hmm. But I think the photographic art was a new challenge, you know. How am I going to produce some plein air paintings of Athens but not have to paint the whole building Right. So when I saw the work at the National Art Gallery, the artist had just drawn the top of the buildings or the signs. So I mm-hmm. thought, oh, that's what I'm going to try. Do you remember do. which artist it was? No, I do not. I wish I had known. I looked up at Richard Estes and I thought, well, maybe it was him. But I didn't look at the name of it. I just asked my girlfriend. I didn't have my cell phone at that time. I said, take a picture of this. And she did. And I said, send it to me because I want to use that as... Uh, something to show me how I want to portray the buildings in Athens. So when I came back, I painted the Browns Barbershop because Mm -hmm. I went down there and I stood on the corner and looked up and the shadows sort of got me and the signs. I thought, well, I'll do that. And then the next one I did was the Wilsons. Yeah, I recognize this hot corner. Hot this corners. is this is downtown that I downtown. that I recognize <laughs> the old yeah. buildings downtown. And I love this uh, barber shop. You mentioned that you looked up. I've always had a fascination with this, uh, the way that the telephone wires and the yeah. different wires Crosses. are attached to yeah. the building. It becomes very uh, abstract and kind of the two D structure of the space is very interesting. And this painting here of the bar the top of the barbershop and all of these Mm -hmm. little, you know, it's very graphic compared to some of your other paintings, which are, you know, more landscapes and like Mm -hmm. you said, not seeing the, seeing the trees despite the leaves there. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I did, I fell in love with this and then my son uh, looked at it and he said, oh, mom, I really like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, so maybe I really did get that idea. And then the Wilsons was a challenge because um, I had to figure out the vanishing lines, which were completely off of the canvas. Right. And try to get the building lined up right. 
And then I had fun with the Schlitz sign, getting the beer. I thought, boy, that looks like a really good glass of beer. <laughs> yeah. I've been drawing a lot of beer myself lately. It's, uh, you know, it's Athens. I think the town uh-huh. runs runs on, on beer. beer. It yeah. does. It does. It does. And then I was drawn to the Chestnut Grove, because this is the last one-room schoolhouse for African Americans in the state of Georgia. And where is that? That's on the corner of Epps Bridge and um, Timothy Road. Okay, right here. Right, and then there's little cemeteries right out front. Mm-hmm. And they still that's a still active cemetery, because they mm. still have burials. There. And then where I put the trees, that's actually where the church is now. Okay. So you took a, you're so looking, are you looking at old photographs when you're making this? No, I was standing on the corner. I was standing across the street from the from the school, um, on the Clark County, you know, side, and I was looking at the at the uh, school. And what I do with my plein air is I start painting outside and I take a photograph of it. And then I come home and finish it. Okay. Because I don't paint fast enough to capture everything before the sun changes all the shadows. Right. I learned that the hard way. Did you paint this Wilson's one the same way? Did you start it outside? I started it outside. So you were standing downtown with your easel? I, on this day, my husband dropped me off downtown. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a Sunday morning, isn't it? That's a good time to be downtown. Yes. (laughs) It was a Sunday morning and the sun was shining. So I just started, you know, just sort of blocking in the masses. And then when I came home, I thought, I really need to make sure with Wilson's that I get the angles completely Mm -hmm. right. Because I didn't have a ruler with me. And sometimes I'll take the blue tape with me, painter's tape, so I can line up. Mm -hmm. Because I've learned how to do that now. Just take the tape and match the line that I see and put it to the canvas. I love the detail in this with the the corners of the brick and also you know having spent a lot of time downtown i think you've really captured the color of the light oh good you know and i I recognize it and the way that it changes slightly as the planes change around the building it's very impressive oh thank you good yeah and then first amy church um i was standing a lot of photographers take this view of our church so that's where i was standing and um Besides being my church, the architect was the first black licensed architect in the state of Georgia. So this is on the National Historic Register. This is on the Historic Register. The Shotgun House is on the Historical Register. And the Morton Theater is on the Historical Register. Mm-hmm. So that's what drew me. Now people are calling me saying, you need to come paint Gospel, I think it's the Gospel Pilgrim Cemetery or, or Brooklyn Cemetery that Hal Rittenberry did the wrought iron gates for. Oh. So I want to go do that. And then somebody said, why don't you go paint Hal Rittenberry's house? So they're giving me places, now that they know that I'm doing this, mm-hmm. to go paint. So I thought, you know, I really sort of like capturing the history. And with our church, our church has three different kinds of bricks on it. Because I think as the people, this is what we surmise as we tell the history of our church, is that when the slaves were trying to free, they started this church right after slavery, after emancipation. And um, when they moved from Foundry Street to Hull and Doherty Street, as they, I think as they saved up their money to build the church, they bought the bricks in different lots. Right. And so they have different colors to them. Interesting. And then with our church, we have three crosses. 
we have a cross on the two sides of the church, and then at the door as you walk in, because you're coming to Christ. So the, the, the cross in the center is supposed to represent coming to Christ. Mm-hmm. Which I think, well, he was brilliant. We have the stained glass windows and the bell towers. So I like it. And there, there's a sister church to it in, I think it's, um, I can't think of the name of the town now, but there's one more church that has the same design as ours in Georgia. Yeah, it's very, uh, it you know, it looks very Athens. I think um, the style is a little bit unusual. With it, yeah, it is. It's a Latin, the interior is a Latin cross design. Mm-hmm. So when you walk in, you're coming down to the altar, and the pews are in the shape of a cross. And then all four walls have the stained glass windows, which reminds me a lot of our mother church in Philadelphia had stained glass windows. And then when you go to Europe and you look at some of the churches with the beams, because they have the hammer beam ceiling here, mm-hmm. where the they have the right angles that hold the roof up. Mm-hmm. And I just, like when I went to Europe and looked at some of the cathedrals, you see the same type inner, you know, architecture. So, mm-hmm. oh, drawn to the head. And I've always loved the shotgun houses down on Rock Springs. Ever since I first moved to Athens, I thought, oh, I wish I could draw those houses. <laughs> and it's sort of funny, things that I wanted to do, I didn't have the skill set to do. And, you know, I had to do a lot of reading about where I am as an artist. And I found this book called The Fear of Art. And some of the things that I was experiencing as an artist, they talked about in the book. And I thought, okay, I'm normal. And it even talked about sometimes you start a, p- a painting and you don't finish it. Mm. And it might be because you don't have the skill set to complete it. And once you learn what you need to learn, sometimes you go back and you actually finish that painting. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But I mean, I've had several times I've started something and it just did not look right it just something wasn't right about it and it was because there were certain um elements of art that I didn't know and once I learned them and applied them to the painting you know it worked like I never knew about notan I never knew about light you know um I would paint a picture and never think about how the light is traveling through right or bird holes I would always paint solid trees and never think about bird holes and making them so they can fly through the trees mm-hmm. um, and learning how to um, what do you call it you know in landscape you're trying to get your 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 design on the canvas you know how are you blocking forms to, and, yeah and yeah. all that you know and plain air was a real challenge the first plain air class I took was with Bob Clements and he was teaching and Bill Pearson and everybody was finished the painting, and I was still trying to figure out what I was going to paint. You know, and then I would look outside, and there was so much to look at. I was like, I couldn't find what I was looking at. You know, I should have lost my place in space. So I was like, what was I looking at when I started this painting? Yeah. <laughs> so it was just a learning process. It was very frustrating at the beginning, that, but once I started well, let me Google or YouTube or find something about this so that I, at least I know what I'm doing. It's great that you can do that now. Look on the internet because it's it's one of those things. I don't feel like, I feel like anybody can learn how to do it. But most people just haven't been trained, you to know, mm-hmm. to look. Yeah, it's really just developing your attention. Yeah, your awareness. And your awareness. Yeah. And it's not about your hands. It's about your eyes, mm-hmm. you know. 
And they always say squint. You know, yes. Squint, squint. Oh, I'm always told my students that. And I'm like, that. why should I squint? I want to get the detail. <laughs> you know, just get the mass in. In the very beginning, it's sort of funny because I, w- I took a, a plein air workshop with Jim Richards over at OCAF. And, um, you know, he would say squint and draw on the masses and block it in. And I was like, I wonder what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, and then somebody he'll, he'll say, they're talking about values and color. And I'm like, warm and cool. I was like, I do not know what they're talking about. Yeah. I was so ignorant. I was like, what are they talking about? So I'd have to come home, you know, and I'd look it up because I just, I was just too embarrassed to raise my hand and say, what do you mean value? What do you mean? Right. And that is just like such a key element. Now I'm thinking, how did you ever draw and not realize about values, Yvonne? You just need to know that. <laughs> Maybe I naturally saw it and put it in and didn't know I was doing it. Now, somebody will look at your painting and they'll say, oh, I like what you did. But and you're thinking, I wonder what I did that they think I did well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was. but And then I sometimes I would just ask, what did I do? And I remember Bob Clements told me one time, he said, all right, Yvonne, he says, decide where your horizontal plane is going to be. Where's your horizon line going to be? And I was like, oh, okay. So then I now I know if I'm going to have a little bit of sky and a lot of land or that's a, lot a choice. Of sky. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And they would say, you know, that you don't have to put everything that you see in the painting. And then I'm like, well, what do I take out? You know, <laughs> what do you leave in? Or then I started trying to figure out well, what is it about this scene that I like, and then make sure that that's the most important thing that I paint. So I mean, it's just. I guess I like learning about it, mm-hmm. you know, or being able to say, oh, I figured that out or I learned how to do that. So. Well, you're learning very fast. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned the whole idea of not not liking something because you or not being able to finish something because you don't have the skill level yet. It's funny because my students asked me the other day, have you ever done a painting that you didn't like? And I was like, all of them <laughs> <laughs> up until like... Last year, uh-huh. I've finally, after 20 years, like, s- kind of given myself a little slack. Like, all right, these are okay. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's that's exactly what it is, is that I knew that I I could do better and that I was doing things wrong, doing my air quotes here. You know, yeah. you, you feel like you, you, you have a vision that you're not able to complete because to, you don't have that skill set. And it takes it, a yeah. long time to develop your eye that way. Right, it really does, to even to know what to look at. And even to understand color. Like, I had color wheels, but I really didn't understand right. color wheel. I didn't even understand how to mix colors. And now I'm to the point where I can look at something and say, oh, that's a lizard and crimson and sap green with a little bit of yellow. And I thought, boy, you've learned a lot. Yes. You know, it's just really good to, to get that color down. That takes a long time. And I had a professor when I was in grad school tell me, pick three, one yellow, one red, and one blue. And don't work with anything else until you've figured those out. That, yes. And that's what I did. And, you know, it is very complicated. There's so many colors. That really helped me to kind of simplify and right. learn. And to learn warm and cool. Now, I'm doing the portrait um, portraits now. And to know that there's the warm side of the face and where to put the cools and where to recognize what is warm and what is cool. 
because before I didn't even realize that there was a warm, maybe I knew there was a warm and cool color, but it was something I didn't think about. Right. You know, now it's like, you know, I will think about my landscapes and how I'm going to place things on the canvas. I will think about the colors before I pour the palette. You know, what do, what colors do I see? And like, I guess in the very beginning, I thought trees were brown. Right. <laughs> and then I look and I think, I don't think I've ever seen a brown tree. <laughs> so that looks sort of red to me. And it's sort of funny because... Um, I had a, a girlfriend who came over. She said, but just show me a little bit about drawing. I said, I don't know if I know enough to teach you, but I can tell you some of the things that I've discovered and learned on my own. And I said, I've learned to sit back and just look, really observe the many different colors of the sky. And one thing I have, like we, uh, our bedroom sits on the back of our house and our house backs up to this farm. And there's a barn out back. And I have never seen the barn look the same way. Yeah. It's different colors, different seasons. It's different colors, different times of the day. But before I sat and actually looked at it and studied it every day, I realized it was always different. And then I saw something. My girlfriend sent me something on YouTube. This photographer had taken a picture of the tree every day for 365 days because the tree never looked the same. Mm -hmm. And on the 365th day, the people who were following him, he invited them to come to the tree. And they had people from all over <laughs> coming to see this tree because he had made people aware of that tree's change every single day. And I think that's made, what made me think about that barn because I've drawn it several times. But the colors are different. Sometimes I see silver. Sometimes I see red. I mean, it's just different times of the day. Now the sun is reflecting on it. And the Impressionists used to set up their plein air paintings, and and it, like Monet would change his canvas out, one painting at nine a.m. and then he'd start a different one at eleven. Oh, you know, as the light changed changes. during the day. I was thinking about that when because of the light on this uh, hot corner painting here. Um, is very specific and very bright and the color of the sky mm -hmm. makes complete sense with the color that's on the building you know and it, it, when you mention the sky I look at the paintings that are in front of us here you can see this range from purple to more yellow mm -hmm. um, you can tell I feel like you can almost tell how hot it is outside by looking at the color of the sky. Right. And it's actually, these two paintings, I took the photograph on the same day. The mm -hmm. day I was out there, I took the photograph, and then I went back. You know, I started painting, and then I went back and used the photograph. And after I put my drawing on the canvas, I went back to, to, to paint it in two. But that's why the skies were the same. I mean, the brightness that day was... Just, there's no clouds in the sky. You know, so I guess it's where I am in life. And you know, it's sort of funny how sometimes, you know, you think, oh, I should have done this when I was 30 or 40. And then you realize it's not your time, it's God's time. When God thinks you're ready, he's going to put you there. And the type of person that I am, type A, um, when I start painting, I don't want to be bothered. You right. know, I'll tell my girlfriends, I have poured my palette. I'm going to paint today so I can't talk on the telephone. 
Um, and when you're a mother of young children and a housewife and you're working, when do you have time to paint? Because you come home from school, you're fixing dinner, helping with homework, getting kids ready for bed. And on the weekends, you're cleaning your house. So right. when do you have time to paint? So I never had that free time that I could just jump in. Now my husband knows Yvonne is painting upstairs. I'm going to find myself a sandwich for dinner. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everybody knows. Oh, you poured your pout. You're not talking to me today. Right. <laughs> and I don't feel bad about it. You shouldn't. Because I'm at that place in my life where I don't care. <laughs> I want to do what I want to do. Well, Yvonne, thanks so much for having me in your studio today. It's been a real pleasure to look at your work and talk to you about it. Good. I enjoyed having you here. And see, we have a mutual friend. Yes. And the same first name. That was Yvonne Studevin, who, as she points out, is also a Vivian. Yvonne and I talked for quite a while. Sorry, you guys only get the edited version. And I found out in some of this talk that she is on the board at OCAF, the Oconee County Arts Foundation. Oconee is the neighboring county to Athens-Clark County. She's referring at the end there to our mutual friend, Stacy Kaufman, who is my longtime friend, mentor, and colleague, and is also on the OCAF board. The day that I visited Yvonne, she was putting together work to take to the Linden House Arts Center for the upcoming exhibit, Our Point of View, Athens Area Plain Air Artist. This is a group show of work from the Athens Area Plain Air Artist, who gather once a month on a Thursday to paint, lunch, and critique each other's work. The group was started by Claire and Bob Clements and some retired UGA folks and is coordinated by Jack Burke. Yvonne will be showing some pieces from her Historic Black Athens series, and the show will be on view from June 5th to August 4th, with an opening reception on Thursday, June 7th, from 6 to 8 p.m. So I hope any of y'all who are local will go check that out at the Linden House. Thanks so much to Yvonne for taking the time to talk to us, and thanks to all of you for listening. If you would like to help support the podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or consider donating on Patreon.com. You can find a link to Patreon, along with images from my visit with Yvonne, and other links related to this episode on the Peachy Keen tab of my website at VivianLiddell.com. Until next time, I hope your summer's off to a great start and that you're keeping it peachy keen.